see, y'all might be looking at me right now and going, you look a little blue. You should have seen it earlier when there was no other lights. We're having a little bit of a light issue. But we'll work it into the message somehow. That's right. We've been talking about Philippians. This is week three or four weeks. We're going over the book of Philippians. It's four chapters, four weeks. And the blue really ties in, not because there are Smurfs in the Bible. Not that Bible translation, Cheyenne. But because Paul had a good reason to be blue. You know what I mean? Remember the Leanne Rhymes uh, song? Blue. I don't know. Anybody? Late 90s? Y'all were in elementary school. I don't even know. Okay. Well, anyway, look it up. YouTube it. There's a song called Blue. And Paul was always good at taking the blue from his situation. You can say, look how blue I look. But just because I look, it doesn't mean I am. It's the decision I choose to be. In the four weeks we've been going through Philippians, this is week three, the first week. If y'all weren't here, we looked over chapter one, which was beyond the moment. Paul was explaining to the church of Philippi, the first church planted in Europe by Paul as, as he ministered through Asia. He uh, was explaining to them, they had, they had sent money, okay? They had sent money to him, and he was explaining to him to them as a letter back to Epaph- through Epaphrodites, his thankfulness, and also the situation he was in, because he was in prison. He was on house arrest. And he was always telling them that no matter what the situation looks like, we can look beyond the moment, because the moment is always temporary. It's temporary. It's not permanent. And if Paul could do it, we can do it. Amen? In week two, we looked at unbended knee. David, if he was here, he'd be holding up the lighter right now because he was filling the boys to men. Because sometimes, in order to change our perspective with God, we have to change our elevation. And it's not to go up. We want to go up, then we got to go down. We got to get on bended knee to see that his strength is what drives us. We have to be in a lowly place. He promoted Timothy, remember? He promoted Timothy because Timothy was humble. Timothy could be trusted. Timothy was approved, diligently proved his, his, his trustworthiness through ministering with Paul and his, his team. So when Timothy was down here, he got promoted to a higher place in the ministry across Asia. But this week, I was just thinking, you know, like, I don't know about you all, but on Sundays especially, it's always something, right? There's always something to stop you coming through the doors, and this is so weird. I'm not used to seeing you guys so vividly. I don't know how to handle it. I know what you look like. It's usually dark. See, if you haven't, if you haven't been here, it's usually dark out here. And it's, it's brighter up here. Today it's brighter out there. It's like, it's like a flip. God will flip it on you to shake you up. If you're not used to it, he wants to shake you up. But I was thinking about, you know, every little thing that can just throw you off course. It can be a, a fight with the spouse. It can be a problem with the kid. It can be someone sick, someone in the car. There's always an issue to give us a reason or an opportunity, may I say, to gripe. You know, if you gripe enough, you become really good at it. You can be really good at griping. But I would say one thing I've learned in this book of Philippians is that Paul, man, you just couldn't get the man to gripe. He had every right to gripe, but he chose not to. And so in these times when we think we got it rough and we need to remember what Paul went through, but we also need to remember what we have in Christ Jesus, who we have in Jesus, that there's nothing 
that can take away what we have in Jesus. Nothing can be taken from us, even death, Paul says. So it's easy to gripe, but we have to remember where our strength lies. And before I go on, I want to give you one. We're having a baptism Sunday. Come on. Somebody's getting cleansed by the word. In a pond. In a muddy pond. Ew. Is that how they do it? Well, that's what people asked for. So we said, okay. And Nathan, uh, anonymous Nathan, we won't say his last name. It's the one that sits over there. He, um, he offered up his pond. And so everybody said, yeah, I'll do, I'll do the pond. So August 11th. Listen, this is not formal. If you want to get baptized and cleansed by the word of God, according to John 3, when, he spoke, when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, then come on with your bad self. Let us know. We're not going to withhold it. You need to be baptized if you haven't. So we have a formal registration form. If you go to oncechurch.org slash events, fill out register now, you can register and it will let us know that you want to get baptized. But I told Nate, if they show up anyway, we're still going to baptize them. We're not going to forbid them water should they believe that he is. Just like the eunuch. So August 11th, 2 p.m., it's a Sunday after church. Come on out to, it's about 20 minutes off 47 in Troy. We're going to have Nick singing himself away with some worship. We're going to have Cameron out there, and we are going to baptize some people in the name of Lord, our Lord Jesus. So that's awesome. But this book of Philippians, there's been a theme here. Paul is our example. Paul's witness shows us the ability to change our perspective on any situation, that even when we can't change the situation... We can change how we see it. Someone's always got it worse than you. There's always someone stronger, smarter, prettier, in worse situations. Like, it's, we always think it's us. But Paul says, it can be worse. Choose how you see it. That in all things we must remember, who's got our back? Jesus. Jehovah saves. Do you know his name means Jehovah shall save their people from their sins? That's powerful. That's why there's power in the name. That's why it matters. There's power there. Jesus, Jehovah, the Yahweh of the Old Testament has our back. There's heavenly citizenship that awaits us as we press, everybody say press on towards the mark of the high calling. When we get into those dark places of hopelessness, we have an opportunity, it's a choice, to choose, am I going to be controlled by what's been thrown at me, or am I going to let God use this season to make me better and show me something new? Do I want to stay the same, or do I want to grow? It's an opportunity. When you see adversity, it's an opportunity. It is. How do you see the situation? How do you choose to see it, and Paul was a master of making good out of what the world would call awful, awful. Will I hold on to the habit that has held me back in the past or rejoice in this moment because God has gotten my attention so strongly that I am now going to see the outcome different this time around? It's tempting to go back to that familiar way. And as I get frustrated, I'm going to be tempted to go back to that way that I dealt with it before. It'll reveal itself in me as, a, as an instinctual thing. But I challenge you this morning to go all in for Jesus. All in and try a different way. 
You've had a season of getting to know God. Now it's time to be in the kingdom, to be all in, to go all in. And it takes active steps of faith. God will deliver me from my circumstance when I'm willing to go all in and remember the good things that await me in heaven. My consistency in Christ Jesus matters just like Timothy. It was his consistent showing thyself approved in his trustworthiness and wholeheartedness to spread the gospel that Paul promoted them from that lowly place of on bended knee to a leader in the kingdom. So this week we're looking at Philippians chapter 3. Next week will be 4, and then the series will be over. If we go to the first passage today, we're going to look at 7 through 11. 7-11. Anybody remember 7-11 back before they had QT? You get your Slurpee on? There we go. Two, three people. We used to walk to 7-11 and get a Slurpee, and that was a thing when you didn't have a license. That was cool, man. I mean, walking two minutes to my mailbox now. It's too hot. Back then, whatever it took. Verse 7, verse, verse 7, chapter 3. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted as a loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all the things for the excellence, all the things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of things. And count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. This is Paul talking. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. The title of this week's message in this affection from afar as Paul wrote these letters from house arrest is go all in go all in God's plan for me is greater than my situation and it's greater than me it's not about me will it affect me yes it will but it's bigger than that it's bigger than that because not only does he want to change you, he wants to change others through you. And when he changes others through you, he's going to change you in the process. It's like this. Comes out of me, goes into them, comes back to me. And Timothy goes to a higher place of promotion, see. But in this world, see, Paul said, what I've gained, I count it as a loss for Christ. But when I've lost, I count it as a gain in Christ because I've given up some things that I don't even want. He says they're rubbish. But in this world, in this Lake St. Louis, Chesterfield, I grew up in Chesterfield, Bridgeton, a little Bridgeton up in here back in the day, the, market, the Magic Market, remember that, Trace? My sister used to walk me when I was like five to the Magic Market on St. Charles Rock Road, is that right? Okay, I was five, I don't remember the roads. We're taught to gain gain things, gain stuff. And the more we gain, the better we are, right? Nice gains, bro. Anybody ever worked out at a gym? Nice gains, bro. <laughs> Good for you. I remember this time, years ago, you, you all know I met my wife at 24 Hour Fitness. 
But before I met her, me and my buddy would actually work out together before he got a girlfriend and left me all alone. You know, the, bachelor, the bachelor guys, they're the ones at the gym. Once you get engaged and you got, you got the, the wife, you're good. Couch potato time. So he left me after years and years of being together. His name is Josh. Maybe someday he'll come to church. Josh, yeah, I'm talking about you. He knows it. I do it all the time. He's okay with it. Anyway, we had this buddy from high school. So me and Josh were physically okay. Josh was a beast. I was average. And there was this guy from high school who was a senior. We were a freshman. And I remember, I remember Josh always told the story that, that he arm wrestled him in, in like a chemistry class. And the guy just ripped his arm off his body. The guy was so strong. And so we see him at the gym. And I can't say his name because he still lives in St. Louis. And he will know if I'm talking about him because he's a very rare specimen. <laughs> but we see him at the gym, okay? And he's a professional bodybuilder now. He was, a, he was in the Mr. Universe, okay? This is years later, same guy. <laughs> and he's, could you spot me? We'll call him George. Hey, George, you're from high school, right? Yeah, Josh, you just talk about how you ripped his arm off his body because you're so strong. He's like, yeah, can you spot me? I'm actually in <clears throat> cutting season right now because I'm getting ready to do a show. You know, he had the fake bake going on. He was ready for the show. So he, he wanted us to spot him on an incline bench. And it just brings back great memories after two labrum surgeries right here. I'm thinking, oh, that's so good. And so, so, so me and Josh together are going to spot George because George is not a gorilla, but he could beat up one. Okay? So, so he's in cutting season. He's feeling depleted of his carbs, he said. So he only had 225 on there like 15 times he did it on the incline. I don't know if you know about weights, but that's a lot as a man on an incline press like 15 times and you're cutting weight and that's your weak point, okay? And we're like, don't drop the bar because you might kill us. And what I wanted to say was, nice gains, bro. But I said, thank you, sir. Thank you for asking us to spot you. I'm going to go back over here and do the bar. But he was all about the gains. Everything was the gains. I gotta get my gains. Felix, no gains, nothing. It's all about gain. But Paul said, if I gain, then I lost. He says, when I gain in Christ, I have to lose to self. When I've gained it all for myself, and I got good gains, Mike. I got good gains. Oh, I got a stiff neck. Can somebody ice me? I'm just jealous. It's my inner man wanting to be the man that I couldn't be. See, babe, don't you wish I didn't? Anyway. <laughs> Paul says, we don't want them kind of gains. We want gains in Christ. And when we gain in ourselves, we can't be gaining in Christ. It's one or the other. See, back last week, it was on bended knee. We have to be in a, holy place, a lowly place to see a high promotion because our strength, our gains, are in Jesus. They're not in here. Though you want to work out, it's good. That's no, there's nothing wrong with working out. But don't let it go to your head to where you think your life is based on your gains. Because it's based on your gains in Christ, not of your self. Personal gain is a great thing until it blocks your focus of spiritual maturity and takes over your life. Whoa. Did you see that? Did you get that naked way? That stuff got no concentrates in it. The way and that, the way protein, guys, 
The way in that naked way, it's like 100 bucks, five pounds, Amazon. It's so pure, man. It just gives you the best gains, Nick. I know you're 21 and you're thinking about this because you're single. And I don't blame you. Nice gains, bro. Anyway, I'm getting a little carried away. But worldly gain often creates a spiritual loss. It doesn't have to, but it can when it becomes your source of faith. When your trust is in your gains, in your things, in your money, in your stability, in your intelligence, all those things are where you put in your gains at, and your faith is in your gains. But Paul warns of fading back to past ways. Remember, Paul was killing Christians. Saul rode to Damascus, horse fell, light blinded. Remember this? Who remembers this? Okay, good, good. So he was full of self-promotion. He was full of knowledge, and he was highly intelligent. If Dan was in here, he could give you an hour just on Paul's intellectual credentials. But he's not, so we won't talk about it right now. He was smart, and he knew that in order to find Christ, though, he had to put it somewhere else, put his gains in Christ and count it lost for himself and recognize that to truly gain in Jesus, you have to lose to self and vice versa. It's not as bad as you think. There's a blessing in the end. We think we have to give it up. No, he says it's rubbish. He says, I don't want those things. My desires change. I'm not giving anything up. My desire has changed. And where we put our confidence is where we put our faith. And self-confidence becomes toxic when we leave God out. Because there'll be a moment where the world's going to break you and then you're not going to have that confidence. Paul says, I know Jesus. And God's plan for me is bigger than my situation and bigger than myself. God's building something through each of us together, in and out of this place. It's not about me. It's not about feeling good. That's a good thing. That's a residual fruit of the blessing from doing good to others is what that is. That's what that is. Paul was the worst of the worst. But he said, use my example. Look at me. If you're not sure, he says, look at me. Do as I would do. If I can do it, if I can. I talk about Starbucks, and Paul says, if I can go without Starbucks for a couple weeks, then you can too. You can do it. With Christ is your strength. The power of the resurrection yields our path to his righteousness when we recognize it. You have to be humble, though, knowing the price he paid. It'll change how you see life. When you realize that we're what the Bible refers to as like a speck, like a speck in the wind, it makes you look at your life and what you do with it differently. Because things will come and go, but eternity is forever. Remember the target when you're frustrated on the way to church because you got in a fight with them or they texted you that right before church, blew your focus. They gave you that hand gesture on the road that wasn't nice. Again, remember the target. Paul had every reason to be mad, frustrated, and never did he lose focus of the target. He knew it was beyond the moment. He knew to operate from a lowly place. And he knew he had to be 
all in to see change. All in. Some of y'all like the sheep. Not you guys. They didn't come today. I'll say that. Like the sheep at the fence. There's a flock, right? There's a herd of sheep. Jesus talks about the 99 and the 1. But some, some, some sheep like to hang out at the fence because they're, they're engaging, but they're, they're learning. And there's a point where God says, okay, Timothy, I need you to become a Timothy and get in the flock because I want to do more for you, but you, you, you don't want to let go of the fence. You know, it's like, I remember swimming in the above ground pool. We had, first time I got stung by a wasp and, and I wouldn't let go of the rail. I had floaties too. I had floaties, um, Matt, but I still was scared to let go of the rail versus swimming, going out there and swimming. I would hold on to the rail just in case I needed to get out, Debbie. You know, it's like the sheep, the sheep at the fence line are the ones that are living on the fence. And so they're not really seeing a whole lot of progress because they're not wanting to leave the fence. But I'm telling you this morning, Paul says, go all in, leave the fence, get in the flock, and God's going to promote you to become a Timothy. And you won't even realize that's what's happening. God will change you in the process, but we have to remember the target. We look at the next passage here, verses 12 through 16. It's really hard to see up here because it's blue, just so you know, if I'm going like this, because like, everything's blue. <laughs> it's my first blue experience as a preacher. Verse 12, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. I'm pressing on. It's not easy. You have to press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. If he did it for me, I can do this for him. Brethren, I do not count myself to be have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Everybody say, forward. The past is past. I get people telling me all the time, if you just knew what I did, and I said, you can't go back and change it. You confess that puppy to Christ and you move on. You can't hold on to the past. God says, I let it go. You have to let it go. You can't keep letting your past determine your stride or not taking a stride, staying at the fence. Forward, we press forward. We press on towards the mark. Verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press. Nobody said it would be easy, but if you want to see real change, you got to press through the herd and get to the front and say, I want all. I want to go all in. I want everything God has for me. I'm going to press until I can't press no more because my strength is in Christ. And unlike, unlike George at the gym, he has a limit based on his carbs, but we got a strength that's different, that never runs out, that we can press through it towards the mark of the high calling when we leave the fence. Y'all with me? Come on now. We have to press. If it was easy, everybody would do it. I know it's not comfortable. Do it anyway, Paul says. If I can do it, you can do it. You're going to be glad you did. You're going to change in the process. Remember the target. It's easy to be tempted to just go to the lake when I'm low on caffeine and money's low, and they're giving me a hard time, and my job's mean to me, and I don't want to be bothered. It's easy just to pick up and go somewhere else. Well, you know, if you could leave the kids, hypothetically, but since you got to take them, it's not really that easy, but if it was, I'd just get up and go sometimes, you know? Does anybody else just want to, you just want to run away sometimes? That's because it's a way out. 
Paul says, I got nowhere to go. I'm, I'm shackled. I will press through towards the mark because I remember the target. When giving up is at the forefront of our mind and we're tired, we're going to look for a way out. Paul says, don't make it an option. Take away the option and you don't have to worry about choosing it. It's not an option. When me and Michelle have issues, we've had issues. We're not perfect. I know everybody thinks so. Just kidding. One rule in our house, there's no option. We fix it. We have to fix it. We took an oath. So, so we, we've been through battles. And everybody's situation is different. I'm not saying that should always be the case. But what I'm saying is when you give yourself too many options, we just had to declutter Chloe's room. You know why? Because she's got so many options. She's too little to handle it. We had to gut that puppy. I said, I figured out the problem, Jim. The problem is we gave her too many choices. She, she don't know how to organize 572 rabbits. She doesn't understand that. And I'm mad at her because she's nine and doesn't keep her room good. When I gave her 500 choices to take a back door, if I want to guide her steps, I got to get rid of the options and give her the ones that matter. So we cleaned her room. And Taz and Kaylee and Colton, and now we're doing the garage, and we're doing it all because we don't want so many options. We want only valuable, life-bearing, good options. And those ones that are familiar, those old ones from the past, the devil wants to throw your way, say, well, you want to try this one again? Those are the ones you want to say, no, devil, I don't. See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Let me know how hell is when you get there, Satan. Remember the target. Quit letting the past determine your future. God's got this bright future for all of us. And so many just stifle growth because of our past. It's gone. You can't change it. Let it go. Let it go. Remember the goal, Paul says. I press towards the mark of the high calling. I'm running the race of endurance through faith. All have a prize awaiting us at the end of this journey. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press. God's plan for me is bigger than what they did. It's bigger than the fact that I'm broke right now. It's bigger than I had to move out of that place for a season. It's bigger than that. And it's bigger than me. It's so big. When you see it, it'll become small. Those things you're, you're calling problems, they'll shrink into a non-existence. They will. It's perspective. Paul says, go all in and choose how you respond to those situations. Remember the target. We have to grow upon what we have learned. And as we learn, we take new steps. We keep stretching my behavior is a result of where I believe, where I put my faith. If I feel like I need to live in a gym to be happy, that's my source of faith. That's my source of happiness. That's where I put my trust. That's where I know if I have, if I have money in the bank, that gives me my manly confidence. That's my trust. That's where I keep my trust. 
And you can have all those things. But when it takes the place of your real strength, who was actually carrying you all the way, when you thought you were doing it yourself, and God was doing this the whole time behind you, come on, little bubby, you can do it. Come on, you know how it is when you got like a two-year-old and they're just learning to walk for the first time, and God's there the whole time. You, you think you're doing it? And God said, no, I got I got doing it the whole time. I'm still doing it. You're 50 years old. I'm still doing it. I'm never going to leave you because you're always my child. I tell Chloe, yeah, when I'm old, you're still my baby. And I'm still going to try to carry you. And if I can't, then it's going to be your turn. Carry me. They don't get it. It's hard to think that far down. They don't get it. But I say, you you don't understand that you will never my mom used to say it. I never got it until I had my own kids. And you will never stop being my baby. Even when you have your own, you're still my baby, no matter what. That's how God looks at us. He never stops being there. When we think we're handling it, he's still there going, I got you. I never left. I never left. So when your situation feels overwhelming, just remember God's plan for me is bigger than that situation, and it's bigger than myself. Paul set the standard. He desires we follow the same way because heavenly places await us as citizens in Christ, he says. I count it as gain in Christ when I have lost to this world. So anything they can put me through, it's a gain in Christ, and I know my citizenship awaits in the kingdom. We're going to look at the last passage here of Philippians 3, verse 17 through 21. Brethren, which means ladies too. Bro, I'm, going to, I'm going to translate. Brothers and sisters, join in, my, join in following my example. And note, those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. He's saying, when you're not sure, look at us. He's talking about him and Timothy and Silas. He says, remember what we did in the prison? You have us. When you're in the dumps this week, remember, you have us. And look at us for an example, if you're not sure. He says, for us, for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. They don't want you to grow. They don't want you to do better because they're convicted themselves and they really want what you have. So they're going to fight you because the devil is really fighting God through them, through you, back and forth. You are vessels and the devil is trying to battle God and hurt you in the process. But they will come around. And he's talking about the persecution of those persecuting them. In 19, he says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. He's saying they don't have God at all and if they don't change there's a consequence so remember though we have a heavenly place he says I got a road map Paul says you want to use it what about Google no that's not what I mean well I don't have any signal Paul how am I going to get your map up on my Google no it's not that kind of map it's the Bible Oh, you mean you mean Bible gateway no I mean a paper Bible that you carry in your car if you get lost and you look at the blueprint when you're feeling down Oh, we still have those? I don't, but some part, someone probably does. I use the digital. Look at my word, he says. My word is God's word, is what Paul says. We do have some Bibles in the house, but they usually sit in the drawer because everything's digital. God 
wants us to be in union. It's a marriage. Remember this. It's a, it's a marriage. In what pattern do I model my life? That's the first question. Do I model my life as Paul has said to try? We're, we're imperfect humans trying to have Christ live perfect through us. Am I modeling as much as I can to be like Christ and Paul here? It's not easy. I didn't say it was easy, but it's what we're supposed to do. Jesus desires control of our heart. And I have no option, Paul says, but to follow you and gain in Christ. I came from him. I will be with him. Someday, my home was never left. My home awaits me. The home was always there, waiting for me to run home through the doors. You know what I mean? Just because we forgot the home was there, just because we were distant, doesn't mean dad ever left. Jesus never left. Paul speaks here to encourage the Philippian church of what awaits them in their citizenship in Christ. Can you all stand with me as we close week three this morning? Home is where the heart is. Look at your neighbor and tell him, home is where your heart is. It's not where your stuff is. It's not where your mortgage payment gets mailed to. It's where your heart is. When I used to live in Nashville, I had many apartments and I lived in houses and apartments. I lived in all different places. Little, little, little one room things. And I used to come home and when I would come home long enough, when I'd go back, it felt really foreign to me. Because, you know, when you're college, you don't have much to begin with, so everything kind of comes with you. So everything personal that made it home and heartfelt came with you, including the people, because there was none. It was just me. So when I came home, I'll never forget it. When I used to drive, and this is, you know, this is not, nothing like some of these guys that have been in the military and have to really leave home. This is just my experience here. But it was a memory I had. We used to, we, I used to drive across my Ford Ranger, green, Six-cylinder, not the four. Stick shift. Coming over the bridge, seeing that arch. And I remember I'd always, for years, get this, my people. Like, like, like I knew the next car on the road. Like all of a sudden they felt like family because they had the same license plate. Because my heart was here. My family was here. My whole upbringing was here. And when I took myself out of that situation, my heart followed because my heart was really never there to begin with. So where we place our heart is where we place our home. So you keep putting your heart in all the things that are hurting you. You're living in a toxic household, so to speak, spiritual household. You got to take yourself out of that and, and bring your home into the house of Christ, his home. That's why we're here. But his home moves with you. The kingdom is in here. The garden is in here. The fruit is in here. God is in here so you can take him with you. you. You can be like Paul in the prison. Like there's nobody there and it's dark, but he still knows he's in God's home because he's here. And then we ultimately have our eternal home in heaven when this life fades. But some of y'all don't understand this idea of complete submission to Christ because maybe it's new to you and that's okay. A lot of you have experienced this or are doing it. Everybody's at a different walk but what you will find 
when, when, when God is ready to show you, as you seek, seeking is relevant, there'll be a time where you go, I need more. I need more. And, and you can blame me and say, say, I just wasn't feeding you. But God says at the point, you have to just take what's on the table if you really are hungry. And, 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 and grasp and feed. We, we get that. Preachers get that. Not, not me. Preachers get that. They say, they say, I wasn't getting fed. God says, there's food all over the table. You want me to, you want to call room service all the time. God says, come, come get yourself a plate. When you're in my house, come make your plate. I feed you. That's what Jesus says. You can be fed anywhere. So I encourage you this morning, if you, if you have felt that kind of complacent Christianity, you feel like it's just kind of plateaued, that's a sign that you need to get further away from the fence. That you need to get deeper in the flock. That you need to reach out. Say, God, show me more. Show me how I can get more from you. And he will. He will, I promise that. This week, when you, if you want to go all in, and, and we're so blessed with our church here because our culture is all in to begin with. That's the, that's the benefit. I'll tell you a quick story here. Uh, I don't know if I shared this one, but when we went to this conference last week, we met church planters all over. And one gentleman planted with over 600 people on day one. So he knew no one. He didn't know any of his people. And so what's, he says, wow, what's cool about you guys is that you guys have got to breed that culture grassroots bit by bit. And together we are forming this church. It wasn't just dropped on us, the mechanics of it. You know what I mean? We are growing it together. And so, so that makes a difference. So we have this special culture here to begin with. And y'all probably know, or you probably wouldn't be here to begin with, because you know it's, it's good. It's a good culture to be in, because it's genuine. There's no personal gain here. Everybody's family when they walk in the door. There's no personal gain. It doesn't make sense to do that, because this is about giving Jesus to people, and that's what we want to keep doing. And we want to be a place of family. When you walk in the doors, your family. So we want to pass that on. We want to pass it on this week. If you can find a need this week, if you can find somebody that doesn't know Christ, if you can find somebody that gives you a hard time, anybody, just keep planting the seed. Go all in. Take another step. Go further than before. Okay, you're five feet from the fence. Let's go ten feet from the fence. Things will change. Let's pray. If you could bow your head with me and just lift one hand as we, we pray over this church too right now. If you all could join me, that God anoints this church right now, God. We see you doing things at One Seed Church that, that we knew would happen, God. But how you deliver is always so amazing, God, because you do it in the most unexpected ways to keep our faith fresh, that we don't become predictable in how we define your operation, Lord, that we know it doesn't matter how you're going to do it, that you're going to do it should it be your will, and so we're going to keep pressing towards the mark of the high calling that we can obtain the gift of that eternal citizenship in heaven and spend in a high place with you, Lord. God, touch us as we go about this week. Help us stay hydrated in this weather, God. Help us Give it all to you. Go all in and become an advocate for the kingdom. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, amen.